Welcome to Salcedo Paranormal. It is Thursday, March 9th, 2023, and today I am reviewing selected stories from an anthology called Everything's Eventual by Stephen King. As always, you can find all of the shows along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page, and that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. That's S A L. S-I-D-O paranormal.podbean.com Always happy to hear from you all whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences. Whether they're your own or from others that you trust, happy to either read them or have you join me on the show to talk about them. So, um, as I said in the start here, I'm going to be reviewing some of the stories from this book, this anthology, uh, it's called Everything's Eventual. Um, I was looking at the uh, the file that I put in the chat here, and it does look like some of these stories came from different points in time, but I I encountered them first in this format of this book. So um, I have five stories that I chose because of the paranormal aspects to them that I thought would be interesting to talk about. Um, I will get through at least two of them today, and then we'll see how many... Um, there, I have five total, so, uh, I was thinking of trying to get them all done in one show, but that's a lot of reading, <laughs> so, uh, but I'll at least get through the two, the first two stories I had in mind today, and then we'll just, uh, make this a two-part thing and, and talk about this again next week, so, um, as always, I always like to say a couple of things, um, there will be spoilers, but also this is just a basic review and discussion of the paranormal aspects of the stories, so there will be a lot of details that I do not get to, just because of um, the, the format of this show. Uh, also, these are horror and fantasy stories, so um, yeah, they will be dark. Um, it even says so in the title, uh, the subtitle of the story, it says uh, Everything's Eventual 14 Dark Tales, and uh, some are darker than others, but there's definitely some in there. So, just wanted to um, to put all that out there before uh, before I start. Um, thank you all for listening, as always. Though I like to do that because I really appreciate that. Um, all the all the support, uh, all the 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 downloads um, and the views, uh, both on the podcast and the YouTube feeds. And then also, I, I'm always glad that um, you were able to listen to the live shows whenever you were able to do so, uh, because I don't ever expect you to. So, um, But uh, I think that's everything for now. Uh, also, just a quick reminder, um, I am back to five days a week, so this will be, there won't be shows in the next two days, but then we'll start again on Saturday night, Sunday morning. So. Um, all right, so I think that's everything, and now I can get to these stories. Now, this first one here, um, these first two are actually novellas, which are short novels, sort of, um, and this first one I'm going to talk about today is actually, it takes, it takes place in the, um, the Dark Tower, sort of the, in that realm of stories, uh, but this story takes place before... Uh, the books really before the start of the first book in the Dark Tower series, 
of course, those books, I just realized, they jump around in points in time. But basically, the important thing to note is here is that in this short story, um, the main main character, Roland, the, gun, the gunslinger, um, he's on his own. He doesn't have any of the other characters um, that you may have uh, heard about or read about uh, if you either read the books or listened to my any of my review shows that I did on the Dark Tower series uh, while, a little while back. So, uh, so he's on his own here in this story, other than his mule, which he starts off with. So, um, and of course, um, just a quick brief uh, or summary of Roland. He is, um, he's basically a, uh, almost you could say he's an, uh, a knight or He's an uh, important figure within his own community, um, which is mostly broken down now. Um, he's on a quest to find this dark tower, which is the uh, supposedly the center of all of reality, and uh, which reality is breaking down. And he he's um, he believes, and his family and everyone believe that if you could get to the dark tower, you could figure out why reality is breaking down and uh, maybe fix it. So his only real goal is to reach the Dark Tower, but it is a long journey. Uh, again, the whole Dark Tower series of books is seven, seven books. So, um, but this is at a point, again, so he's in the, not quite in the very beginning of his journey, but he's, um, again, he's a little ways into it. And so he comes across this town um the remains of this town really and uh so he's um he is on a mule but the mule is basically not doing well and it's it forces him to slow down when he reaches this town and um or village which is, um, he finds out the name of the village is Illyria. And this story is um, called, and I forgot to mention that, I don't know why. Uh, the sto- title of the story is The Little Sisters of Illyria. And so he finds this town called Illyria. And um, so he, when he gets there, uh, he finds this uh, feral dog that has a uh, cross-shaped spot in its fur, on its stomach, basically. Uh, so a patch of, I believe it was lighter fur, uh, on, uh, where the rest of its fur was dark. Um, but it's attempting to eat, uh, to, to, <laughs> to eat a, a part of a dead body that is near there, uh, near where he enters the town. Um, and so Roland scares it off, uh, using one of his guns. Of course, he doesn't aim at the dog, he just aims near, which he is an expert marksman, so he can easily shoot wherever he wants to without ever even fearing hitting the the dog. Um, And when he goes to investigate the body, he finds this this rectangular medallion. And um, and so he he wants to... um, He takes this medallion off of this... uh, this, uh, body hoping that he'll be able to find the owner or the not the owner the the family that the the body and the medallion belong to 
um, started to give them, give them all basically peace, uh, closure. So um, as soon as he takes this medallion, he is attacked um, by this group of. Um, they're called slow mutants. They're almost like zombies in a way, but they have, they have a little more intelligence than that. They sort of have the physical attributes of zombies in that they're very slow moving physically. Um, but they, they, they do have some intelligence. But um, it's a whole group of them that, that attacks him. And so he is knocked, knocked un- unconscious, knocked out cold. And, um, and when he wakes up, he uh, finds that he can't move. Um, he is basically in a sling that has his whole body um, wrapped in it. And he, um, he's being healed somehow, but he doesn't know how. Um, but once he wakes up, he encounters these people, these um, women that uh, show up and they, they're their faces sort of flicker when they when he looks at them from between appearing to be old and young and um so and they are the ones that are apparently nursing him back to health um and they do this somehow um with these uh let's see here i skip part of the the uh summary here so, um, so yeah, let me see here. Let me make sure. Just go. Okay, so yeah, see, when he wakes up, he finds he, he, himself in a hospital um, room, basically, run by this strange group of nuns um, that call themselves the Little Sisters. And what they u- do is they use tiny bug-like creatures that they call doctors to heal the wounds of people that end up in this hospital, including Roland, and um, and when Roland, while Roland is there, he's watching them and everything and talking with them, and turns out that these are basically vampires, or at least his world's version of them. And what they do is they bring stray survivors of encounters uh, just with these. Um, creatures, these zombie-like creatures, back to the hospital. Um, and they they use these bug creatures somehow to heal the people that they find. But, um, and what they do, because they're vampires, is once the person is healed, they <laughs> they kill them by drinking their, their blood. Um, he actually sees, when he gets there, that there are a couple of other people in there, but Every day, because he's there for several days. Um, over time, first the 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 people start to slowly vanish, and he doesn't know why. So um, until he figures it out, because um, he hears these creatures at night basically enter the room, and he hears them uh, having their meal, which is one of the the patients. So. Um, in the bed next to him, uh, there is another, another younger man, and um, it's apparently the brother of the guy that was that Roland had found deceased in the town. 
um, and the the amulets that the um, that 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 Rowan has that he got from the the deceased brother um, is the same as what he finds on the living brother. That's how he figures out um, that they're may, maybe related, and then their physical appearance. Um, and so, but these these uh, sisters. They want to know who Roland is, and he and then this other guy, whose name is, uh, I believe it was John, but um, they kind of quickly try to hide the fact that Roland is a gunslinger by saying that Roland is John's brother. Um, it might even be that, might even be James, might even be the name of the guy that was dead. Actually, now I think about it, but um. So these two, Roland and this other guy, this brother of the the deceased man that Roland found in the village, are slowly being nursed back to health. They're also taking in food, and um, and so, but they find that um, there is there is some kind of a drug in in the food that keeps them uh, sort of sedate and and paralyzed. And most of the sisters appear to be willing and, and um, don't have any problem with what they're doing to, the, to, the, to anyone who's, who they encounter, basically. They don't mind um, using people as lunch or as meals. But there is one that was uh, once one of the sisters that apparently was forced to into this life. Her name is uh, Sister Jenna. And... Um, and she had involuntarily joined the others uh, and wants to leave them. Um, and so she actually uh, gives Roland this uh, herb, um, sneaks it to him, basically, that will uh, counteract the drug that the other sisters are giving him. And um, so eventually... Oh, and also the medallions. The medallions apparently prevent these these sisters from getting too close to Roland or the other the brother. Um, and so the the sisters at one point um, try to convince or to trade with one of these these slow. They're called slow mutants, but they're almost like zombies. Um, try to get one of these zombies to take the medallions, the medallions off of Roland and um, and John. And this creature does take the one off of um, John, but then kills John because he doesn't trust the sisters. <laughs> and so all the sisters have to rush in. <clears throat> excuse me, and. Um, Basically, feed on the the on John because he's been cut by this this zombie, and so that's when Roland knows for sure that this these medallions are somewhat keeping this medallion is somewhat keeping him safe. Um, and so and of course after after killing John, this this um, zombie gets out of there as the sisters go to go to feed on on John. So um 
so yeah, um, the also the other sisters, including uh, Sister Mary, who is the, the the leader of this group, start to notice that Jenna is getting um, getting closer to Roland, and so they they try to um, prevent the two from ever really meeting much. Um, so. Meanwhile, Roland is slowly taking this this um they're like reeds. He's he takes a bite off of these um these reeds and uh every day. And eventually, with help from um Jenna, he's able to escape. Um using because basically what happens is he, he is he is caught using this herb and by one of the other sisters. Now they all have, um, they all wear these, these robes and hoods, and on the hoods they wear these, um, these strings of bells that are what they use somehow to uh, connect with and control the bugs. Um, and uh, so Jenna actually has the bugs turn on the one sister that finds Roland is um is almost ready to escape. And so they um they do escape the the, the hospital and uh of course they're confronted by the other sisters who um Jenna wards them off with the the, the threat of using the bells and having the bugs come after them, but of course they get to the, almost get ready to leave this uh, area with this hospital in it, and Mary, the the elder sister, the most powerful one, uh, shows up in front of them, and uh, Jenna tries to use her bells on the bugs to call them to help uh, and to, to attack Mary, but they're too far away from where the bugs are at. The bugs are mainly stuck inside the um, the hospital. It's just too far, far for them to go. Even though there are a ton of them there. And um, and so it looks like... And so Roland tries to... Because he, he has his guns back. Jenna was able to get his guns. And he, um, he gets ready to shoot at Mary, but because these these creatures are somewhat... somewhat um, they're sort of... Uh, how do you call it? They can be physical or non-physical. They sort of can alternate between those two states um, at will. And so, and they also have sort of different magic that can make, um, sort of make mechanical things misfire or, or malfunction. And, of course, this is a thing that happens in, in some of the other Dark Tower stories. And so, um, and the, the most amazing thing about the story, in a way, is that this dog from the very beginning of the story shows up. Somehow, um, I don't know if it's drawn by all the noise or what, but shows up and automatically takes a disliking to these to um, Sister Mary and attacks her. And uh, that gives Roland and Jenna the chance to flee the area. So, um, now the thing is, though, 
Jenna is actually um, one of these sisters, even though she didn't want to be. And uh, and so she ha- technically has to eat or to consume blood to live. But of course, she is not like the other sisters, and she refuses to do that ever again. And and so because these creatures are these beings are somewhat um, their physical state is tied to the consumption of blood she starts to she actually um, sort of falls apart or disintegrates um, after she and Roland have escaped she actually starts to um, break apart and disintegrate while he's asleep and he wakes up to find that she's gone Um, so so yeah, that's a really amazing story. Just in the the suspense of how of um, how Roland is going going to get out of there, um, given all the the drugs and the the sling and everything, and um, and so uh, Roland, of course, who had already fallen in love with Jenna, is um, you know, of course, heartbroken. Uh, which is not the first or the last time that will happen in the Dark Tower stories, but um, continues on, and that's where the story ends. Um, so it's a it's a good story. Um, there's a lot more details in there, as I always say, than I was able to fit in. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, and it's one of that aspect. Um, Matt in the chat here says the dog comes back and saves the day. The question is, what does it, does it have uh, power because it's born with this symbol on its like as part of its own being, this cross symbol? Um, is that what prevented these creatures from fighting back against it, um, or is it just um, because it, she, the Mary was caught by surprise? The story is very. Um, very vague with that. And really, it's, I think it's because, you know, it doesn't make it clear what the, what the reason is for these things to happen. It sort of leaves it to the reader to think about that, or maybe, I guess, if they want to decide on their own, they can. Um, so, yeah, it's an amazing story. I definitely recommend it. And uh, it's a neat little, little um, look back into the whole Dark Tower world. Um, which is very much a fantasy. Um, in a lot, of, in most case, in most parts of the story, it's a fantasy story. There's some sci-fi bits in the the main books, but very much a fantasy story, I guess. Really, even though it does involve other aspect, other genres in it as well. Um, so that's it for that one. Um, let me see here. So yeah, I think I will review. Um, this next story. Uh, the funny thing is about this, these two stories is they're both connected. The, the one I just covered and this next one, which is the title story to this book, Everything's Eventual. Um, and this one is uh, also sort of it's directly tied to the Dark Tower series. And I think I will, what I'll do is I will 
explain why once we get there. So, um, let me get back to the file file here and or the summary here and close the other one down. Um, all right, that looks good. And uh, okay, so yes, this is uh, everything's eventual. This is the the novella that's within the book with the same title. So um, the story is, is focused on um, the narrator who is, uh, his name is Richard, uh, and then nicknamed Dinky, D-I-N-K-Y, Earnshaw, who is a 19-year-old high school dropout, uh, starts the story by saying he has a good job, um, where he gets his own house, car, and almost anything he asks for including CDs that haven't been released yet, um, which I think is a small hint at the larger universe, the larger Stephen King universe, says that he also gets a small weekly cash allowance, but the, the one of the rules in this job, and I'll explain what the job is when I get, when I get there, is that every week he has to... Um, he can't have any... He basically is not allowed to save any of the cash. He always has to to either use it or get rid of it. Um, and so he uh, he um, but he has this job, and it involves this ability that he has. Um, he has this this um, he can basically uh, mentally influence people by drawing. Uh, designs and or pictures and or words. Um, he doesn't really understand how it works, but he um, he starts figuring out this ability even as a little kid. He um, he the first time he used it was to um, to actually kill some bugs that were bothering him on this window inside his house. He drew a some kind of a symbol in the the um the dust on the window and these bugs i can't remember if it was one or all of them but at least one of them dropped dead so somehow ma- ma- made a connection with these things through drawing the symbol um sometime later as a kid still uh there was this dog that would uh torment him and any other kid that walked down the street um, on his way home from school. It was basically barely tied up uh, in this yard, and there was a short little fence, and so that he and other kids were always afraid that it was going to just break away from that rope, because it was just a rope. It wasn't even a chain, apparently. And I don't, uh, I don't really um, advocate for any kind of. <laughs> Uh, mistreatment of any animals, but um, so but in the story, he he um sort of half doesn't know exactly what he's doing or 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 how he's doing it, but um he makes this symbol on out of chalk on the sidewalk nearby that basically drives the dog dog crazy, um and ends up leading to its its death. Um, now, keep in mind, this is um, one kid's perception of this dog, which he is pretty sure 
is going to escape and kill him. Um, not that it's a justification, but again, it's a story. So, um, fast forwards to years late, years later, he's um, a teenager, and he works in this grocery store. Um, and there is this other guy around his age that is just constantly humiliating and even in some cases hurting him while he's on the job. And so this is, in the story, it mentions that this is where Earnshaw uses his power for the first time, knowing what he's doing, to drive this other guy, his name is Skipper, uh, insane, which leads to his own, his death as well. So, um, so not long after this, maybe a year or so, two after this, he, uh, uh, Earnshaw is discovered by uh, a man named Mr. Sharpton. Uh, claim, and this guy claims to work for an organization that searches across the world for people with um, abilities, with sort of psychic or um, unusual abilities. And um, this is sort of connects to the whole Dark Tower story in that in many of the worlds, because in, in Stephen King's sort of, um, his, his, his stories is fictional, it's really a fictional multiverse. Um, there, there is, of course, this being known as the Crimson King, this is just a little bit of backstory to this, that wants to tear down the beams, which are sort of like, um, pillars, except they're ver- they're horizontal. These beams that hold up all of reality, and there are these people that he wants to find that he knows could use their mind to to um, destroy these these beams, and they're called breakers. And so it it doesn't really say in the story directly, but if you read the Dark Tower series, it's sort of you start to get the feeling that this is one of these. This is sort of um, Earnshaw's world's version of this one of these companies that is trying to find these kinds of people. And what they do to test out the, the person's abilities, at least to start with, is they hire people, such as Earnshaw, um, to carry out mi- um, missions for them. And what Earn- Earnshaw is hired to do is to use his powers, his power, to eliminate what he is told are dangerous people. Um, and the story mentions the, the skippers of the world, the, the people that are just doing terrible things. And, and, but of course, this is a huge corporation, so how they do it is through a computer. <laughs> and also through some possible... Um, programming, some mind control or, and or programming um, that they subject Earnshaw to in a laboratory, which of course is obviously not public. And he doesn't get to, to uh, he goes to this lab complex and he doesn't get to leave it until he goes to this house where he ends up staying. And um, so his job is basically to, whenever he starts getting this feeling, which a lot of times happens while he's asleep, he goes to this computer and looks up 
um, basically uses the internet to find the person that he is somehow being drawn to or directed to. And then he sends them um, an email containing his own special string of symbols and shapes and a word or two that are um, specific to that person that will then drive them insane, which will then lead to them um, to, to them dying. Um, and so that's what his job is, as he's staying in this house. And um, he also does, uh, he sends, and for some, tar- for some, excuse me, for some targets, he actually does send out um, letters to people directly through the, through the physical mail as well. But um, let me get back to the summary here. I just want, I don't want to skip anything. Okay, so um, so for a while he's he's Earnshaw's thinking that he's basically hasn't made in this new job. Um, but one day he finds an article in a newspaper about one of the people that he has killed, who appears to be um, an innocent old newspaper column, columnist. And he starts looking into some of the people, including this guy that he's that he has killed. Of course, not through any method that anyone else would ever be able to to um, figure out on their own. But still, he starts to feel guilty for this, and he realizes that the organization has been using him to assassinate political dissidents and alternative thinkers. So this idea that Somehow, this um, master manipulator cosmic being has control of his world and who knows how many other worlds' political and, and military systems already. And is using um, people like Earnshaw to, uh, to, to kill off people that, um, that go against him. So, of course, the story barely even... I don't even think it mentions the Crimson King. It sort of mentions more just the whole... Um, one branch of this system that is... That works for him. Which is the, part, part of the amazing thing about the story. You get to see how it's connected to the Dark Tower stories. But without it really mentioning even the Dark... I don't think it even mentions the Dark Tower. But, um... And so, eventually... Earnshaw is trying to figure out what to do, and he starts planning his escape. But um, what he was going, to, what he's going to do, he mentions in the end of the story is he's going to send one final email to Mister Sharpton, the guy that recruited him, with a uh, special symbol attached to it. So the idea is he will be killing off the guy that got him into the whole mess. So and that's where the story ends. Now, uh, just a quick note, Earnshaw appears in the Dark Tower book 7, The Dark Tower. That's also the that's the book name as well as the series name in that case. As one of these um these people in this city of breakers of psychic people that are working to um break the beams that hold the ball of reality. Um even though they don't really want to, they're being 
somewhat forced to uh, through basically being kept in, uh, under lock and key and uh, just given almost whatever else they want, really. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a uh, starts out as sort of a distant connection to the Dark Dark Tower series that eventually leads the main character from this story, this uh, novella, into the Dark Tower, um, the last Dark Tower book. So, and this is part of what is always amazing to me about about King is how he has managed to connect so many of his um, stories and books. Um, so, yeah, so that's that, that story right there. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think I have time to uh, read to review one more story here. Let me just see here. Um, yeah, but if I do that, then I'll only have two stories left for next time. I think uh, that's where we're going to stop for today. Um, just because, otherwise, if I do that, then <laughs> the next review show would be like a maybe a ten or fifteen minute show. <laughs> So, and I don't really want to do that. Um, so that's it for this, this, uh, these stories for today. I have three more stories um, from this book I will review next time. Um, but yeah, I really, um, if you're ever looking for just a whole universe of, of um, connected books and stories, definitely check out Stephen King. I believe there's even, if you wanted to look up online now at this point, you could probably find, um, like, reading lists. I haven't done it, but, because I used to read, read those books before, uh, anything like that would be around back in the early 90s. I was, oh yeah, mid-90s. I was already reading Stephen King books, so, when I was a young teenager. Um, so, but, uh, there's definitely a lot of books on on everything that that uh, is connected and how it's connected, and um, so that's part of what I love about about him. Uh, in addition to just the the concepts and everything, really, also one other thing I, I did mention earlier is that point that I made about getting things like CDs before they're released. Um, if if you wanted to, you could take that to to mean some kind of time or and or alternate universe access to where the people there that were part of that corporation were um had a way had ways to get material to get uh, CDs or other objects that maybe weren't out to the public yet or weren't released to the public yet of course there's always the possibility of advanced releases here and there but with king I almost wouldn't be surprised if it was that was more of a paranormal reference. So, um, but yeah, I think that'll do it for today. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back on Saturday night, Sunday morning, um, with true paranormal stories on the web on the next episode of Salcedo Paranormal. Take care, everyone. <laughs>